Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Will Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. For me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your women, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he has made the mark of Caine. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our ongoing march through the works of Michael Cain, watching every movie no matter what fate befalls us as a result. Uh, my name is Michael Foley and joining me as always is Stephen Black on this trek. Stephen, I was thinking about this, there's a lot of themes in today's movie that I kind of feel apply to us right now. Um, today's movie is oh, a shanty. Oh, please, please, I do hope that you're going to equate the two middle-aged guys doing a podcast that they hate to the plight of black <laughs> people in slavery. Please. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you get a nice, nice uh, February cancellation for yourself. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> we are like those poor people in the middle of it that are being forced marched through the Sahara Desert chained together uh, with no sign of relief. And when they do get to like some kind of, you know, oasis and a bit of water they basically get like you know for example i don't know the men who will be king you get to dunk your head in it like just and then you get pulled back out again and back into something like a shanty we're just we're in yeah that's ah, shanty i hate yeah. a shanty i think the only difference here is we have forged the chains that we carry you know i think actually tying it back isn't it the uh to jacob marley and i'm up with christmas carol ah, yes. you know it's where the chains he forged in life yeah. there's a bit of synergy there you see I like what you did there. Yeah, these there you are go. these are self-forged chains. We have the yeah. keys. We possess the keys. I have to say, of all the movies we've watched so far, this was the one at the end that left me possibly thinking about reaching for the key and going, I can't do this anymore. Ashanti. It just came out. I, I knew it was going to be terrible, but it was terrible in a way that I didn't expect. I knew. I mean, I'd heard of it before. I mean, it's it's again, but it's like we can. Oh, this is the one he says. You know, like he's he's worst. He was the worst film. He's like, but I mean, he, he's got about six or seven movies that he says that about. Yeah. You know, so it's really how seriously you're supposed to take him. And I guarantee you that the the worst thing about this for him was the experience, not the actual quality of the movie. Because I guarantee you he's never fucking seen it. I guarantee you what he bitched about it, the fact that he's in Kenya and he has to work with a fucking camel and it's hot, and he you know he has to go he has to squat in a fucking hole in the sand. Uh, instead of being set up in the fucking some hotel in Paris where he gets a, a, a rocks on and set at about half ten in the morning hung over, that's what's wrong with him. No fucking luxury. Yeah, that's what he's bitching about. Yeah, I think you're almost definitely correct. Like, I mean, the reason, the real reason that this movie is an absolute stinker is the tone, the way they handle, like, like the bones of a shanty. Before we start to get into it, is doctor with wife administering vaccines or whatever in African jungle to village. A wife gets kidnapped um, and then it's a chase to get her back from the slave traders who have kidnapped her. And like, on, that's, that's, they're, as the story goes, that's the decent start, right? That's a decent it's basically, start. It's basically taken. It's taken. Yeah, it's yeah. taken. And it's a decent premise. But my good God in heaven, talk about incinerating a decent premise and turning it into a borderline international incident stroke career ending apocalypse like it's unbelievable yeah. what they've done well that's this. it and we don't even you, you you've heard the plot it's 1970 <laughs> what is it 1979 yeah 
79. The movie is a shanty. Roll the trailer. Michael Caine, Peter Ustinov, Kabia Beatty, Beverly Johnson, Omar Sharif, Rex Harrison, William Holden, Ashanti. Africa, where slavery still exists today. This is Dr. Linderby. Not very well, I'm afraid. One of our doctors has been kidnapped. I'm a medical doctor and I work for the United Nations. Slavers. What did you say? You won't have a chance finding them in the Sahara. Best leave now before they get to it. Everywhere you go, you'll hear that slavery is a thing of the past. Don't believe it. But on Sok, I'm not in the habit of selling damaged goods. Be gentle. What is her market value? I would say having seen your wife's photograph, uh, 50,000? I think you'll need a vulture to find him. Fecking Ashanti. Right. Like, this is basically part of a holy trinity of sort of career-defining awfulness for Kane. So you have the Swarm, Ashanti, and Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. They all come out within a year or two of each other. We've watched the Swarm. That was, it was, there was a bit of a laugh. You know, it, was a, it, it was, it was terrible, but it was a bit of a laugh. I've never seen Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. I'm praying that it's terrible, but a bit of a laugh. This, I didn't expect, you, you say you would know a little bit. I didn't really know a lot about this apart from, apart from the Peter Ustinoff was in it with him, to be brutally honest, was all I knew. I was expecting some bit of a laugh. This was not a laugh. It, 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 it is God. not a laugh. No, there is there, there, there no laugh. I, yeah, all I heard, uh, literally, all I heard about Ashanti is that it's a terrible movie, and Kane did not enjoy making it. That's that was That's it. Uh, so expectations at this stage are always set at fucking ground ground zero, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've uh, even I have issues even with the title of this Ashanti. Like her, the Beverly Johnson's character is not called Ashanti, so it's it, she's from the tribe called Ashanti. It's literally co- like calling the movie Cork. Yeah. Yeah, what's the fuck? You know, it's I guarantee you that that went to because if you look at the post, the post is pure, pure sexploitation. It's mm-hmm. a picture, picture of Beverly Johnson, uh, kind of drawn in uh, um, like Jessica Rabbit, um, yeah. on front of the poster, in a kind of a real kind of real 70s. I think mean, we're almost in the 80s now, but a 70s uh, exploitation manner and a shanty. Yeah. As if that's literally as if that's right, because they probably haven't even explained that much then, to the lad picture, to, uh, to design the poster. And then a picture of five men or six men underneath it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? The five actual yeah. stars. It's yeah, lost, real lost in the dust vibe. You oh, know? it's terrible. Like she's there, yeah, she's there kind of kneeling, kind of you know, with the kind of clothes half ragged torn off or kind of Raquel Welch style and the hands up. Yeah. And it's yeah. We'll talk about Beverly Johnson in a while because she's a very interesting story, I think, out of this, but um yeah, it's it's like it's pure exploitation from the from the get go. I mean, it's clear to me anyway. I mean, whatever. And I mean, I I do not cut Kane any slack on this at all. But it's clear that he was dealing with a bunch of absolute bastards from the get go in terms of the how this film was going to be, how this film was conceived, the idea for it, and how they were going to sell it. They were just you're just dealing with absolute bastards. Is the only word I can come up with. Well, the director was replaced. The leading lady was replaced, uh, which is never a good sign. But uh, after you know. After you start shooting, but yeah. I, I don't. I again, the script is the script. I can't imagine that it was changed that much. Um, I, I feel I'm sure Beverly Johnson felt, felt hard, uh, short changed by the way that she was treated. She's not a very good actress. In fact, no. she's terrible in this. Beverly um, Johnson, by the way, for anybody, I mean, I, I wouldn't have known who Beverly Johnson was. Beverly Johnson was a very, very famous model in the mid seventies. I think she was the first African American on the front. I'm going to say Vogue or Cosmo, one or the other. So yeah. she was. She was a very famous individual at the time, and you know. She had, didn't she have a reality TV show a bunch of years ago, I think, as well? Like maybe eight or nine years ago, she had something. Anyway, very famous person in the 70s. Yeah, but a, not a very good actress. And I mean, for this role, like, why bother? I mean, could you think about a goal? If, if, would this have been any better if she was a better actress? No, because no. you still live with the fucking rancid corpse <laughs> around her, you know? Fucking Kane yeah. couldn't look less interested. Uh, oh, yeah. Peter Houston, like, Peter Houston, I'm absolutely. 100% convinced is the Ray Winston of his day. Explain. Un- completely unable to disappear into any role, unable to carry an accent for more than two minutes. I mean, Peter Ustinov, a white, 
uh, man is playing an Arab called Suleiman. And in fairness, they don't really do a lot of the, the brown face in this, which I guess is, you know, be thankful for yeah. small mercies. It seems this. to get, it, no, in fairness, it does seem to get browner as the show goes on. Yeah, I think they maybe right, thought it's, yeah, they don't really stick to it as such. Yeah, and, he's he, he's not lacquered like Herbert Lom and Gambit all those years ago. Like, you know, he's not. Yeah, so, he's not that bad. No, no. but but he's just he's just a dreadful actor um and he's got he's got a russian accent a kind of an arab accent goes back in through middle middle east and then kind of goes more like to the count from sesame street <laughs> yes, it's really. much like ray winston who is pound for pound one of the worst actors of all time well like the Usenoff, it was actually a selling point at the time when the movie came out was that this was the first time Peter Usenoff played an out and out bad guy he plays the slave trader who whose people uh let me cast my mind back now didn't peter used enough play nero emperor nero notoriously yeah. a, 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 a benevolent uh leader yeah? yeah yeah very very moderate progressive yeah yeah and also of course he played wonderful he musician played, he played the uh he played the kind of bad guy in sparkles <laughs> as well but of course it was all divinity or divinity and it was all he's, he's, because when you get used enough you always get this element of kind of lightness and the problem, I suppose, in 1979, by that stage, is that he is in full-on international raconteur mode. Like So when he's playing this, and I mean, if you look at the Suleiman character on paper and read what he does and what he allows. When, yeah, he's you, a terrible person. He's, it's an awful character. But the yeah. way Yusnov plays him. He's not, like those, he's, not like, he's not like those good slavers that you read about. Yeah, the, the sound lads, um, like the good Nazis, you know. He's, he's, yeah. he's not like this at all. Um, it, 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 he is really it's he's almost playing it for laughs and you're like oh my god it's another thing tone is a huge thing in this film the tone is all over the place and Yusinov is central to that it's just the wrong entire you can't stop with half smirking at times while Suleiman for example facilitates the rape of a child inside the first 20 minutes and I think would it be fair to say Stephen that's when the movie just disappears you uh yeah i mean you can't put something like that in a movie and then 10 minutes later have uh, a kind of a slapstick scene where uh kane battles his camel and that's not a euphemism two full minutes of kane trying to get on a camel yeah and you, you can't really it's one of those things you have you have an intimated child uh, uh child rape scene you kind of go right the tone has to be pretty serious for the rest of the movie you know and you have to kind of carry that through yeah no they don't no. manage that they can't they don't know what they want to do with it right up to the very 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 end they don't know what the hell they're doing with this film. Totally. Oh, they just ended oh. it. They decided they're, they're, yep, they're, just everything about it just seems slapdash in last minute and yeah. badly choreographed. So many montages of people walking through the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt like fucking Jesus during Lent. Like it was. <laughs> although, although, to be fair to him, he wouldn't have called it Lent at the time. Maybe he was probably thinking of a name, maybe a brand, brand for it. But you know what I mean? How would you call it? Borrow? No, no. That makes no sense. No, no, no. So hungry. Cad- sand starved. Sand starved. No, no, it needs to be one syllable. It needs to be punchy, catchy. Jesus, so hungry? No. 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 Uh, we're not going to solve that particular no, problem. No, we're going to take at least 40 days and 40 nights to start that one. No, it's not going to get solved. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, look, you gave a little bit of, of, of the plot before. Is that enough? Do we need to get into it? You gave, you were the one who gave the plot. You said two of you in doctors. Your one gets kidnapped by slavers. Yeah. He goes try. He goes trying to find, and he's so like just. He really does not seem that upset. And it really, it needs to be just, pointed out. Yeah, like, can we start on the camp? Well, I want to start exactly there. So, so they're in this 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 uh, African village, and they're they're vaccinating people. And she goes for a skinny dip. She gets lifted by um, Suleiman's people. And so, so now the chase is on, right? So clear. So straight away, you get the kind of useless African bureaucracy. We can do nothing for you, sir. So it's it's up to Kane. What am I going to do? Second so cancellation he's, for the so, podcast. He's doing well. Let's yeah. get the hat strike, uh, the the hat trick before we finish. He's panicked. He's panicked. Sort of. Oh my god. He's fevered chase to find his wife. How does it start? It starts with a bus trip, yeah. which, I mean, a bus trip in Africa. I've done. I've done them. It takes a long time to get anywhere. So I'd say he had a hell of, and it, and there's actually even a bit in the middle where he's sitting beside a lad who offers him like a a, a lime or some an apple, I don't know, something, and it's kind of like he smiles at him and it's like oh he's having a nice little break now to start to get himself together after all that after all the stress you know nice yeah there's no no kind of 
I'm just saying momentum to the movie, really. When your leading man is just kind of, well, this is really inconvenient. I suppose I better go get her. I'm going to catch hell from the in-laws. <laughs> That's it. Like, I have, to, I have to be seen to make the effort. And the next thing, he meets Rex Harrison, who is just like something out of Monty Python in this film. Like, and like himself and William, William Holden just look at, they're just like they've been uh, injected briefly that kind of, that, that, that uh, what is it? What's it in The Simpsons for uh, the pocket fox? It's just like they give that little, <laughs> they are from Monty Burns. It's just like they give that inje- little injection of amphetamine before the sc- on the screen. It's like ah, and they you know it keeps them going for like thirty seconds at a time. And uh, Rex he, Harrison, it's just it's Rex Harrison is just a terrible person. He's just just evil, evil, uh, evil man, evil man. So, you know he's responsible. Resp- uh, you know you got about. Uh, Let's say we'll be talking about Beverly Johnson later and how fucking miserable time she had in this movie and subsequent to that, but. Rex Harrison married what four or five times, uh, was uh, I think one of uh, numerous affairs. Went to uh, received a suicide note from one of his uh, let's say ex girlfriends. Goes over to her house, finds her dead, does nothing about it. I think waits until the next day before the authorities are, uh, uh, authorities are called. Another wife that he that he, that he has uh, is diagnosed with I think it's pancreatic cancer. The doctor tells him but doesn't tell her. He and uh, I think he's, uh, I think it was actually his ex-wife and I decide not to tell her because it's better for her. So you want to say she dies without knowing that she dies of pancreatic cancer. And then a later wife uh, also commits suicide. A wife or girlfriend also commits suicide. Good Lord. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle, how are you? Yeah. Dr. Do, Dr. Do, fuck all. <laughs> Apparently so. This is another case again. So you have Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison is playing this guy who's in the anti-slavery league, and he's like he's, he's like a link for Kane to people who can help him find his wife. But he's so he's he's Monty Python. I I believe you were, you're in a slight pickles. Uh, I, well, I don't. I think you're in a bit. I think it's almost impossible you're going to find him. All it's it's terrible. William Holland is there. Yet again, it reminded me of the swarm. You know where Kane gets kind of lumbered with this geriatric cast that he that he has to deal with. I like Holden. Holden was like a. Repl- I think he's the third replacement. Uh, on this one, I, I, I just let me. Holden's character is hilarious. Holden's character comes on and he's supposed to be a bit of the you can't afford me. I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I'm a mercenary. You know, I have no morals. I have no qualms. No quandaries about killing or hurting people. If you pay for me, you, this is what you're going to guess. I don't want to hear about any of your, you know, your liberal bleatings. Um, is about it should be said 105 years of age. Um, does <laughs> yeah. not in any way radiate menace. Nope. And dies within ten minutes of his introduction, yeah. as he is shot by uh, Suleiman. As Peter I don't even know what they're doing. Peter, Peter Usnoff shoots fucking you. Usnoff shoots you. Like that's that's. I mean, even the way he's holding it, it's like Usnoff might be about to blow into the gun. Never mind, yeah. pull the trigger. Yeah. And he, he shoots him. I, he's and like holding is in a helicopter. <laughs> Usnoff shoots him from a raft through the heart, bobbing through on the a heart. river through the yeah. heart. I mean, it's you know. I don't know about it's Lee Harvey Oswald stuff like incredible. Yeah, and I mean, but he's a crack shot. Sure, he shoots one of his uh, guys through the feet. Twice. He he, yeah. he he bully he bully Christ's him from a fucking from a distance. <laughs> like he does, it's incredible. So Holden, like Holden, and yeah, and also William Holden is acting like it's nineteen forty two. That's the other yeah, thing. And, and he's nineteen forty two, and he's in his thirties. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. It's brilliantly awful. It's brilliantly yeah. awful. Rex Harrison apparently so so. They, after the first week of filming, and as you say, the original director walked off. Um, Richard Sarafian, Saraf, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Sar, Sarafian doesn't matter. Sarafian. Anyway, doesn't matter. He walked off after a week. Telly Savalas was actually meant to play the William Holden character, yeah. and they tried someone else and they couldn't get him, so they got Holden. So uh, when they reconvened, they ended up in Israel. I think they filmed a bit in Israel. Uh, so Rex Harrison like landed in from Hollywood and apparently the story goes that there was nobody there to collect him when he arrived so he promptly turned around got on a flight back to Hollywood again and had to you know had to wait for him to come back out again it's just surely that's more inconvenient completely I mean it's it's the the work it's the actions of of an an elderly geriatric guy who has not realised yet that you should just be glad of any paycheck you're getting at this point it's just not not William Holden was doing it. Uh, was doing it because he owned a safari club in the area. It was like you know, hmm. basically free free flights. Free flights. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Their th- both of them. It was their third last film ever. I think Holden died a couple of years later. But yeah. from from the from the camp performance point of view, it's just terrible from top to bottom. It, like he makes no excuses ever since for wanting to just get in and out of that. It was he claims that it's the first movie he just did for the check, which we know is complete bollocks because he did Silver Bears for for the check. 
But anyway, he has never over the years kind of bought from saying it's a terrible movie. Don't watch it. Um, but we did. Uh, he sweats more than too late. I don't think I've ever seen him sweating as much, even too late. The hero looks positively moderate compared to the amount of sweat patches that are on him. Uh, somehow he was chosen, apparently. He was chosen for this role or asked for this role because of Zulu. That's what the, the producers of the movie said. We liked him in Zulu. who said he'd he'd work in a shanty. I mean, apart from them being based on the same continent, that's about as much as I can say of a parallel. Do you see any? Well, let's put it this way: well, the producers don't seem like the sharpest tools in the in the box here. Now, in fairness, so you know, yeah, yeah, just another bad decision they made. Did you also notice that Beverly Johnson in the in the role as his wife in the film looks uncannily like Shakira? Shakira, the Colombian pop star. Yeah, because she was well known in 1970. Shakira, how old was Shakira in 1979? The toddler in Colombia. Shakira and Mrs. Kane. Uh, I guess I didn't really draw those parallels. Oh, I just hit me straight between the eyes. That they were, they know, were, I, they were, I assume with you again, as we've already established, maybe one personal colours on screen because your your point of reference is so narrow. Maybe, yeah, I can't I see beyond colours. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Couple of things to throw at you, right? Here's a couple oh, of Jesus. things. Fighting Kane. So the end of the movie, right? The so end of the incompetent. Movie, so it, incompetent. It's terrible. Just... So, by, so by the end of the movie, as we said, they, they completely don't know what to do with it. So they've been chasing um, Suleiman and this slave. Don't convoy. forget, in between that, abandoning children in the desert. Yes, let's come back to that in a second. They abandon a bunch of slave kids in the desert as well, which we'll come back to in a second. But just the ending of the fight and fighting Cain, right? So by the end of the film, the director and the producers have decided, right, uh, we're going to have a really dramatic kind of heart-to-heart style ending here. So they have Omar Sharif has arrived at this stage, by the way, as the rich Arabian prince who's going to purchase uh, Cain's wife from Suleiman, right? So he's Again, on the yacht. It's taken. It's taken. It's I mean, taken. It's, it's taken. taken completely. Yeah. I mean, bizarrely taken the premise for this show, changed changed a couple of, you know, they made it better, obviously, because, yeah. you know, it's Liam Neeson punching guys in the throat. But um, yeah, exactly. Good essentially and, I, and to be and to be i more broad racial stereotypes within taking uh, yeah. a film in the noughties than a movie that was released in 1979 like, however how badly i wanted to punch peter Houston off in the throat during this film but anyway so at the very end of this one they arrive so kane and kane malik. and malik sorry malik by the way who he picked up on the way through through the desert to try and track Suleiman. so the two lads anyway arrive up on a speedboat blaring up to this huge yacht, undetected. Uh, they go get onto the yacht and they go kind of, you know, onto the second level of the yacht. Um, I, be, I believe the official title is The Wicks Wayne. Well, thank you very much. I have um, no idea. It sounds, it sounds boaty. So they went up onto the Wicks Wayne and uh, Malik, Malik, right, wipes out two kind of beefcake guys who are dressed in matching t-shirts, right? And then Kane... They look, jumped... yeah, two lads, basically two Jean, uh, Jean-Paul Gaudier uh, <laughs> aftershave bottles. <laughs> exactly. So then Kane jumps down from the Wicks Wayne down to the, the the level below where his wife is being the kept. deck. The hoop deck. You know, he jumps from the wicks way into the hoop deck. <laughs> and but now I'll let you take this from here because everything happens in slow motion after this. So he jumps down, he lands on a mattress or something. Then he has time to get up. The guard gives him a chance. But it's, to get it's up. not but it's not in slow motion. That's the whole point is that Kane arthritically raises himself and then a, in the most pathetic slap fight I've ever seen attempts to to overpower the uh, man in Arab dress fails absolutely um, and has to be saved again by Malik uh, before escaping. Like Malik, Malik is essentially left to die uh, yeah. for no reason whatsoever, other than, I don't know, just to, we have a couple of squibs left over. Let's just put them on your man and just uh, have him die at the end of the movie. It's oh. bizarre. In, and like, in the middle of this. No, well. and, and anyway, tense or dramatic. And by the way, so when the fight ensues, and you might be wondering what happens to Omar Sharif, the prince. Omar Sharif, basically, as the fight's going on, Omar Sharif's character opens a door in in the eye and closes it behind him. And that's the last we see of him. That's it. He just, he just closes the door. And that character is now gone. 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 Gone.
we should have given this guy a lot of uh, some credit before this. But while we're doing a podcast, like charting all these movies, there's a chap called John Laking out there who is actually blogging every single Kane movie. Uh, Only a bloody blog, I think it's called. But I was reading his take on Ashanti and the ending in particular. And he, he took a long time to figure out the tone no more than ourselves. And he settled on his according to himself, he settles on it being a, the ending now, being a cross between the A-team and the end of Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach, which I think is pretty good. That's pretty much it. That's fair enough. And they, they, again, not helped by a soundtrack that basically does sound exactly like a heart-to-heart episode. It it's really just does. completely at odds with the tone of the movie and really fucking cheap, direct-to-video rubbish. It's just dreadful. Now, to rewind back... To your slave, the ch- the slave children left in the desert. Do you want to? Do you want to explain that one? Yeah, and again, like the Malik is in on this because Suleiman is responsible for the death of his wife and children um, or, um, via slavery, and you know, teams up with Cain while well, helps him for money to track down, but does not know what Suleiman looks like. So they come across this uh, group of kids that are being held by slavers in the middle of the desert. Malik goes in the offensive, again, showing the kind of skills, uh, the murder, showing the kind of murder skills that somehow entirely desert him at the end of the movie, <laughs> where he basically, in this in this scene, kills about 10 lads yeah. with just the knife. These are alarmed, and yet has, has, has a problem with the fucking cast of the village people. But it's just to kill about 10 lads with basically a knife. These guys are armed as well. And then yeah. by the end of the movie, it has issues with fucking disarming and murdering the village people. Yeah. <laughs> Does all of that. Turns out it's not Sul- it's not Suleiman. And they are basically tell the kids, well, this is a very hard decision, but we're going to have to leave you here to die. Or you can go this direction and the Tuareg will, will enslave you. Will enslave you, but at least you'll yeah. get, at least they will get a meal. Yeah. Uh, but Kay makes the tough decision there to go, you know, and finds the wife that he seems mildly perturbed. Uh, yeah. By her disappearance. That's basically it. Yeah, there is a moment. Again, Christmas, again, Christmas is going to be really awkward. To be like, where's the shanty? Because that's now her name. Because again, if 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 the if the big producer of the movie can't be arsed and fucking put her name in the poster, why should I? Why should we? So, yeah. so at that moment, so he's he's making that decision, and of course, you know, then we get emotional, Kane. So he's kind of crying and screaming. But it goes from kind of like, I can't leave the children. And of course, as we know, Kane, according to himself, doesn't cry in real life. So we only get to see him shed tears on screen. So he's like, I can't leave the children. To suddenly he just snaps and go, get away from me. Get away. Oh, you get away from me. And like, it's kind of like going, oh, my God. It's like he's realized he's in a shanty. It's like all the frustration of being here. He's taking it out in these poor kids. But what is he doing? What he's doing is the basically it's like you know those old fucking old, old cowboy movies where uh, a small child has befriended a stray dog. Yes, and he he doesn't want the dog to go because you know that you know the dog is gonna kind of you know the dog could be hurt or you know his family should get rid of it. He just says, "I don't love you anymore. Get away from me. Get away." But he's treating. But he's instead of doing that to an animal, he's doing that to children. Yes, who've been it, enslaved. Exactly. There's one other thing about that slave kids scene that really struck me, right? So Malik is played by Cabor Betty, who was an he was an octopusy, wasn't he? He was a villain in Octopussy, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was. He's an Indian actor. You kind of know the face, to be honest. He's just he's been in a lot of films. And then just like, right three, you'd know the face. That's, that's an expression. For me, he's a man of man of colour. You know. Oh look the same to me, Michael Foley, journalist. Oh god. Oh, no, no coincidence he follows one of the whitest sports uh, and reports from one of the whitest sports in the world GAA is you know, oh, known for its diversity you know yeah well Sorry. it is it is that's another we'll get into that another day but there is a marvel so as Stephen describes so Malik has absolutely obliterated these guards he's just just destroyed them then he goes and he realises this is not Sula this is not the camp of Suleiman this is not the camp of Suleiman. And he, he strops We're off. We've gone up to comedy accents, foreign accents <laughs> again. This, I mean, there'll be no coming back from this. There'll be a strongly worded apology, no doubt, or non-apology uh, from Michael via his publicist. But, so uh, Brian's uh, press wrote in the picture now. Any, any, any hopes he has of doing any more books now is pretty much gone. Look, a lot of stuff has gotten burned by this podcast <laughs> at this stage. What's left? Um, but so he, but he, he, he has a strop, basically. He strops off stage left. And the way it's framed... The first thing that came into my mind was Randy Watson in Coming to America at the end of his set with Sexual Chocolate. He just drops the mic and walks. Malik does the exact same thing here. He just has a strap and walks. It's just, uh, it was the one, I mean, it shouldn't, there should be no moment in this film where you laugh out loud, but I did, I have to say. 
laugh out loud. Oh, I, but the, before you, like, laugh out loud, but, but the bizarre inclusion of a scene of black magic. Um, yes. What, so a very the, effective, I mean, a very good scene in a different movie. In a different movie, absolutely. But yeah, where what, uh, the kid who was sexually assaulted again, this is what this is the kind of movie. This is the kid that was sexually assaulted in the first day of this movie, um, manages to use a uh, a mutton bone and some string to murder uh, he, the guy who assaulted him. Uh, but again, this is via the black magic. He so basically, Voodoo um, essentially wraps the thread around the th- the throat of the bone. Your man sees this is similarly uh, throttled and vomits up what looks like the contents of Augustus Gloop's stomach and dies. <laughs> that's it. It looks like Hershey's syrup. Like it's just he's dead. Beverly Johnson then makes well her escape by uh, attempting to fake seduce one of her captors. That then follows basically. I, I tell you what, this movie's over two fucking hours long. They decided to get uh-huh. to this needs another fucking a montage chase scene where she's been chased by this guy a good ten minutes. It says a good yeah. ten minutes of runtime it's montage. Just, Your man eventually, just, my man's about to kill her, and Peter Usnoff Suleiman, who's been out of camp, who's on foot. Peter Usnoff, let's put it this way, wouldn't exactly be winning winning any foot race. Has managed to catch up with them. Is not out of breath and uh, proceeds again to shoot him in the, in the feet twice and uh, and leave him to die. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. I mean, uh, in an awful film, in on a wretched, wretched, wretched film, uh, the last half an hour, if it's possible, drags. Like, you have no idea. You have no idea how this film drags for the last half an hour. Omar Sharif, as we mentioned there, pops up. He pops up like a lad who's ready to, you know, start advertising Sandman Port or something. He's he's... walked in off the set of, uh, yeah, uh, I'm here here in Israel to advertise uh, uh, Golan Heights vodka or whatever. Uh, And, you know, this is a handy couple of grand for me to basically wang on about fuck all uh, for two days and then disappear down the back of a fucking board. Oh, God. Apparently, like you mentioned the script before, uh, the script, there was a guy brought in um, to bulk up the script. Would you believe this? But he spent most of the time bulking what, up. What, was he using hay? I, like, he, he was, George MacDonald Fraser was the man's name. He was, brought, he was uncredited. He was brought in to bulk <laughs> up the script. Apparently, he spent most of his time bulking up the Omar Sharif character's part in it. He's been, like, Sharif couldn't look more bored. Of all the bored people in this film, he's the one that looks the most bored. Yeah, he you looks know? like he would rather be playing a game of bridge somewhere, yeah. Oh, God. Just around it, like, I mean, we haven't talked much about Cain's. There's no point in talking about Cain's performance. Okay. It is wretchedly awful. It is terrible. As we've mentioned, he, he, in his own words, I did a shanty solely for the money, and I have never been so unhappy in my career. I swore I would never do it again, no matter how broke I was. That was the one and only time. Uh, bollocks. Though I did what I could with the part, I hated and loathed every second of it. I'm glad at least he said that. Apparently a camel fainted and collapsed on top of him. Uh, the film was, they were in the Sinai Desert. Of course, you talk about me cancelling myself. Cain in 1978, right? So they were filming in the Sinai Desert. Huge tension between Israel and Egypt over who who's, who owns the Sinai Desert. Um, Cain said, of all the films I've done, Ashanti was by far the hardest. He said this in 1978. Filming took place in 130 degree heat. The Egyptians can have the Sinai Desert back, as far as I'm concerned. The camels were fainting from the heat and they still expected me to act. Imagine, Stephen, camels fainting and Cain expected to do his job. Well, this goes back to my essential issue with fucking Cain right this now. So, okay, you took the fucking check. I do the fucking job. Not just, I'm just here to hit my mark and just yeah. say the lines. Yeah. No, effort. fuck him. Absolutely fuck him for this. Again, fuck him in the face for this fucking <laughs> useless fucking performance. Yeah. No. no, I mean, again, it's like any profession. Like, you know, you, you, you made the decision. Nobody put a gun to his head and say, Michael Caine, make a shanty. And he's there like he's reading a fucking pre-prepared script, script that's been written by ISIS as he's, you know, going on about the, the demon West or the great Satan or whatever. He's not a hostage. He's put himself in the situation. He's getting well fucking paid for it. You put you put some effort into it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's this is there is no kind of humorous out here for him. Again, no. this is this is the lowest of the low. Um, I was thinking to myself while watching it, he's done worse movies than this. But by the end, I had changed my mind on that. Actually, um, I don't I don't think. I mean, we've seen some terrible things in the seventies, but this is. This is particularly awful. And, you know, when you put in all the context, yeah, I think it's, the wor- I think it's, around, it's the worst. I think it's the worst out of the movies that he's done. That could actually have been good. Yeah. If that makes sense. The yes. premise is good. If they had in some way investigated further the perpetuation of slavery, even in the late 70s, and the responsibility of the West as to pay or the ignorance of the or turning a blind eye to it, that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. If 
he started off as being a pacifist and had some sort of character arc whereby he was further and further kind of drawn into violence in order to get what he wanted. If he actually acted like he missed his wife rather than there was some sort of contractual obligation in order to get her. Um, If himself and Malik had more of an interaction rather like they spend more time together in montages than they do actually. There is no interaction with him. They barely speak. They barely barely speak. There's no... uh, and if you know if they cast somebody other than Peter Ustinov off in the bad guy role, where you actually want you know what you want in a movie like this, as soon as you see you know whatever scene that sets up his character, you want you I mean the audience should want him dead, and you kind of you're going in for that scene. Yeah, yeah. And when he dies, and this is kind of yeah, you know, so, so real. I mean, the one thing you could say, I mean, you mentioned there about kind of character arc with Kane's character. So I mean, he starts out as a doctor who can't really do anything that you know that Liam Neeson's certain set of skills would be, would have been useful to him in this role, but he does end up shooting Suleiman between the eyes. So it's a bit like the Willoughby conspiracy a while back. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he kind of finally realizes I have to take sides on this issue. I finally have to care, which kind of is more of a commentary on the complete lack of effort to give, put, to give any sort of emotional depth to this performance. And when I'm talking about emotional depth, I'm only talking about looking like I care about my wife who's been abducted by slave traders. That's you know I mean I'm not asking him I'm not asking him to go go method or do anything do anything significant on it just you know look like you care about your wife would be good yeah. just before we move on because I do want to talk about every chance I just want to give a couple of belts to a few other people who deserve belts in this Richard Fleischer the director he he's CV includes the Vikings with Kirk Douglas remember that Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea remember that was James Mason for Disney Rex Harrison Doctor Doolittle. He did Tor Tor Torah. He did Che with Omar Sharif. He did Silent Green. Silent Green is a good movie. Yeah, and he did Mr. Majestic with Chad Brunson. So, like, a, a mixed bag, to say the least. He had, by this stage in his career, he had earned a reputation as a replacement director. He'd done this before. He replaced John Houston for the last run. He replaced Michael Campus for a movie called Mandingo. Have you ever come across Mandingo? Yeah, you don't want to watch Mandingo. No, you don't. It's a slavery film with the heavyweight boxer of the time, Ken Norton. I mean, uh, one very quick review. Racist, trash, boring and cliche written. That's all you need to know. And now yeah. he replaced Serafian, I'm going to say, for a shanty. He actually replaced Sidney Fury. Remember Sidney Fury from The Apocalypse File? Sidney, oh, sure Fury, Sidney Fury was meant to direct The Jazz Singer with Neil Diamond some years later. No, actually, maybe a year later or so. Anyway, so then coming to America. That's the one. So, uh, yeah, Fleischer stepped in for that turkey as well. He did a couple of orders. Might be in your wheelhouse. I'm going to say Conan the Destroyer and Red Sonia. Would they have been? Uh... Conan the Destroyer is a good movie. It's not as good as Conan the Barbarian and Red Sonia is a fucking flaming trash fire. Yeah, that's what Bridget. All... Bridget, that was uh, Bridget Nielsen's. Uh foray into um action stardom and ah. it did not go it, it kind of started and ended with that okay it's also there was i mean i could I, I don't know about you i wasn't able to kind of nail this down but fleischer may well have been dismissed during the filming of ashanti as well it's kind of it's either uh, sunstroke or he was let go yeah but beverly johnson was uh, beverly johnson um i think it was had it was it a dvd extra or some sort of uh, interviews yeah. about ashanti later and made no reference because apparently she was replaced or, or taken off but made no reference so it could be just an urban myth so like have you seen have you seen shang chi sorry what shang chi the marvel movie that was out this year ben kingsley is in it uh reprising the role that he played in iron man 3 as uh tony slattery uh kind of a Liverpoolian thespian but in it he goes how he, when he was brought to the movies in the 1960s and he went to see planet of the apes he was like his mind was blown and that's when he thought that he wanted to be an actor because he was like if they can teach those monkeys how to ride horses <laughs> So as as I said at the top, like Beverly Johnson was a very well known model at the time. The original female lead walked. I think apparently one of the producers of Ashanti saw Beverly Johnson in front of Cosmopolitan and decided that's that's the one. Now in the film, her character. That's how you shop for actresses back in the day. You just you, it's like much like with the you know with fucking the family album or uh, the Argus catalog. You just kind of got Cosmo open. It was like I'll have that one, please. Apparently so. Apparently so. So you know her character is you know, it's just one of these weird kind of parallel things like her character is drugged in the film when she's when she's presented to Sharif's character and realize same she... as fucking Liam Neeson's daughter in Taken yeah 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 exactly exactly it's such I mean it's an, ama- it's an amazing the parallels between Taken and Ashanti really uh, and then you see in Taken how a movie like this could be done but um in, re- in, in real life I'm going to punch Johnson... you in the throat until you, until you tell me where my daughter is 
I know if only there was, had been more throat punching in this film. Well, Beverly Johnson wrote a piece for Vanity Fair in 2014 where she described an encounter with Bill Cosby where apparently he spiked uh, her cappuccino in his in his apartment or whatever. This is during the 80s. She, she was getting moved. She realized oh, what was going on, thankfully, and got, got angry. And Cosby dragged her out of the apartment and threw her in a cab. It's kind of spooky. It's just, to me, it's a bit spooky, you know, that one thing would happen in the movie and then it just, you know, she gets... And also, we've just done California Suite. And we just did California Suite, yeah, where, again, he's talking about, you know, women being passed out and they won't be able to hear us. It's just yeah. weird. She had a rough time on this film, didn't she? Yeah, well, she's, uh, apparently she was uh, uh, sexually assaulted by a masseuse or masseur um, mm. while on set. Yeah, again, give him, give him a clatter, I think, as well. But, you know, that doesn't reduce the experience, I'm sure. But, yeah, it's just really rough. She put out a single. That, that song, they think it's the same song. She put out a version of that as a single. And bizarrely, she was pregnant actually during the, the filming of Ashanti, and her her character's name in the film is actually Anansa, and that's the name that she gave to her firstborn daughter, which I think is just incredible, given the film, the nature of the film. But there you go. What do you say? One thing I did want to say uh, before we wrap this turd up in a nice little bow. Uh, the ending of this film I thought was hilarious simply because you leave with, uh, you end up with Michael Caine and uh, Nancy in the water um, apparently having escaped despite the fact that a yacht with heavily armoured men is literally feet away and an unarmed guy in a speedboat is circling around them. Yeah. That's not ending well. It's basically Sharif is like, stop the boat there, back it up. Yeah, shoot him. <laughs> Take her. That's that's it. Like there was no. It was like re, it was. It was a real kind of two minutes to five on a Friday. You know. Like, yeah. Oh, we got we got to wind this up and let's get the speedboat in the back so people will know they'll be okay. They'll be okay. Yeah. And it's like one of those shots. It's like something from like a Bo Derek film at the time or something where you know they're in the water and the sun is kind of sparkling on top and they're just they're in they they kiss and again like I mean the complete and utter plenty of time for that obviously any, yeah there's no peril here no bother like and like the complete and utter absence of any kind of chemistry between Kane and his leading woman on screen again yet again is so clear it's beyond the beyonds I mean we're going to give marks for Kane I mean the film doesn't even deserve even thoughts of a mark. I mean, how what would you would you, you give, give him, him nothing? He get nothing. He gets yeah, nothing. Zero, zero. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely lives up to its reputation as the worst, maybe the worst or joint worst thing he's ever done. Totally, it's totally repugnant, is what it is. It's totally repugnant, and for Kane, it's morally again. God, what what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I know. I mean, he's he's moving to America at this point. I think he's living in America at this stage. He does the money. He does. He I, does I, movie I, for the money. Why he's in the state? Yeah, but he, he does this. But it, this, put this put this into perspective. Like, it's not as if he was, you know, living at the side of the road, trying to fucking, you know, make his way in life. You know, exactly. He's a well, he's a wealthy, white actor, who he does have his own agency, and again, so no pity for him. No, None. no pity. No pity for you, Michael Caine. No, no pity, Kane. No pity, Kane. Like by rights, he should have walked off this film. He by rights, his off. career should be in the fucking water. But once again, like fucking Christopher Lee in a fucking Hammer horror movie, back up again next time around. Unbelievable. Well, it's it's. I'm, we'll have to discuss this maybe in another couple of movies time when we get into the eighties. You ask me. I give, I, I give you one example of current day actor uh -huh. I cannot understand. Yes, he, he keeps going. Ryan Reynolds. Go on. Why do they explain, keep explain, uh, What I asked hey, you, you, you asked me so. It, it, is there, and I, th I still think there isn't actually really anyone who comes close to Kane who survived so many turkeys and was still allowed to make, still had a career. Like, look at fucking Bruce Willis, for example. Bruce Willis is a guy who had a fucking a pretty good Hollywood career, never really did anything specifically to have him cancelled or anything like that, or you deserve to be fucking like Mel Gibson's off the side of the road. Not that Mel Gibson has actually gone anyway because he's still fucking making turkeys to beat the man. But Bruce Willis is a guy who's refused basically to accept the fact that he's old as balls. And is still insists on making action movies. Yep. And since I would argue, since Looper, mm -hmm. Looper, uh, Moonrise Kingdom hasn't uh, in any way attempted to make a good movie. It's just a, it insists on churning out these fucking direct to streaming mm. generic dog shit movies over and over again. Um, but I will guarantee you there will be a, some sort of Bruce Willis renaissance in a couple of years' time. He'll take some fucking project, or whatever, and he'll be back. Yeah. 
It's really good. But I mean, I, I already picked Ryan Reynolds as somebody contemporary to uh, obviously because we have a very young audience here and I wanted to win. I know who Bruce Willis well, is. Like Kane's so I, I mean, comparably, right? So Kane's 46 well, when he makes the well, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, well, Bruce Willis is in his 60s. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying Ryan Reynolds is a good Ryan one. Reynolds in his, Ryan Reynolds is in his 40s. Ryan Reynolds is somebody's basically, if you look at his career, uh, if you ask what has Ryan Reynolds done, it's a good fucking point. I, I like Ryan Reynolds, but Deadpool is a good movie. Entertaining superhero movie, Deadpool 2, Law of Diminishing Retur- Returns there. Other than that, romantic comedy nonsense. Um, the Hitman's Bodyguard, followed by the Hitman's Bodyguard's wife mm-hmm. this year, Free Guy, and uh, Red Notice, this fucking dog shit uh, Gal Gadot and The Rock movie that went uh, onto on Netflix this year. Yeah, yeah. All turkeys and um, that Michael Bay one again the the that went to Netflix the year before Six Underground or whatever it is yeah. another fucking turkey Amazing. still out there still out there wise cracking in a way like man's career should be fucking dead yeah absolutely Kane, dead. he's he's he like yeah and Kane wise cracks his way through this period as well I came across a little video I must go back and check it it's on YouTube it's a German it's a German TV interview with Kane in Beverly Hills where he he arrives up driving I think it's a Merc or someone's driving the Merc obviously he's not driving it. And he gets out and it's all very plush. And, you know, you can imagine, you know, he's, he's wearing his Alan Partridge Alfie jacket and it's all that. And I'm looking at him going, this is the time you're making the swarm, a shanty, beyond the Poseidon adventure. As you say, Stephen, he's not short for Bob. He can pick. But I think, like, it's something we may come back to in a couple of movies time. I think the quality of movies he's been offered is definitely on the wane here. Now, he does make a, I think, he makes Dress to Kill in a couple of movies time, which I I've not seen, but apparently it's very good. So maybe yes. look, there's, there's a break there, Brian De Palma, but um, definitely the kind of over, he's not being offered anything near the, the high end movies that are available. I think the issue, no, but I think the issue that maybe the and it might be the straw that finally breaks the camel's back with the pub is that he's probably being offered an awful lot of stuff that he could do that is a good quality, but it's not paying the kind of money that he wants. Perhaps yes, I think it is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a very, very good point. That's probably more it. He's probably getting off of decent stuff. So say what Bruce would I said Bruce would this is probably if he fucking put his hand out and said, Look, I'll star in indie movies for fucking next to nothing, I'll give you I'll give you a break with and add my name and cachet, whatever that's fucking worth to it. Yeah. I'm sure his career would be going in a very different direction, but it's like, no, give me my paycheck. Uh Bruce needs his whatever it is that Bruce Willis needs. So you actually don't want it all. Imagine some sort of fucking Troy McClure-esque fish thing. But, you know. <laughs> I think the lesson here, I think the lesson, one of the lessons of this Kane podcast journey as we move along and look at actors of a contemporary nature that are going now, that the Kane effect is in fuller effect than I would have thought anyway. There are more actors of Kane standing, let's say, that have made as many bad movies as Kane has. It's just that his ones are more... Matt Damon is fucking Matt Damon's nearing it now. Matt he's getting there. But again, you see, you have, and, and like Kane, you see, the point is that we're, we're picking these guys, but they have a they have a, a, a selection of excellent films. And then you have this other side that's just beyond the beyonds, you know? It's interesting yeah. stuff. But anyway, it's something we can get into more, I suppose, as we go into the 80s. I think we walk now, do we? We done? We do, we're done. That's more we're than done. anyone deserves we're to done. hear about Ashanti. Absolutely. And next up, God, oh, God, God only knows. Like, we're just wading through schlock now. So from Ashanti, we jump at what I assume was another cash-to-check affair. So Kane did the Swarm couple of movies back with director Erwin Allen. Now, you would imagine that lessons were learned by both men. Good friends who apparently met most Thursdays for lunch in Beverly Hills. Good for them. But, I mean, you know, it's good. It's okay to meet for lunch, but let's not ever do another movie again, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Right? No, 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 no. Let's do another movie. And thus we get Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. The fire must have been started by the last explosion. More could come any time. I'm telling you, it's a floating time bomb. It's the last movie of the 1970s, Stephen. I think we should, at this point, make a, take a moment to, to celebrate the fact we fucking made it. Like, I, I'll, I'll, cel- I'll celebrate it when we get through Beyond this Poseidon oh. Adventure and not a second sooner. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. So we're going to have a look at the Poseidon Adventure or Beyond the Poseidon Adventure or whatever the next day. We are also going to assess the best and worst bits of Kane in the 70s. Oh my God in heaven. Oh. It has to be done though. Yeah, I'm really, no, I was I was looking forward to next week's episode, but now I'm just doubly excited. <laughs> I'm overcome with excitement. Literally, it's coursing through my veins. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing, I'm looking forward to hearing your sting for it. You did a good one for Kane in the 60s. And then we had some lovely bagpipe music. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. That, that made me laugh when I heard it the last time. Anyway, however many movies ago, that was 20 something movies ago. Fucking who knows. Oh, who knows. God almighty. 
Anyway, let's go. Let's just, just walk now. Let's yeah, just walk let's walk, us, walk, walk. Let's just walk into the desert. Uh, hopefully, the sands will cover us and people will, you know, not mourn yeah. us. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to head for the Tuaregs. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the Tuaregs. Yeah, I'm just going to walk into the desert until the sands reclaim me. <laughs> Uh, as usual, uh, follow us on all the streaming platforms of choice. Like and subscribe if you can. Uh, follow us on MarketCade2, Twitter. DM us for, if you have any questions about the movies you want to watch or lifestyle choices. Until then, we'll see you again <laughs> next week. See ya. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Mark of Cain podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Mark of Cain 2. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Mark of Cain is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. Four.